Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is up, all of my beautiful freaking people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. It is a good fucking episode today, you guys. We are going deep into dreamland with the one and only Dr. Dream, Kelly Sullivan Walden. I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. It is a good one. Sit back, grab your journals, grab a cocktail, and welcome to FML Talk. Oh my God. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. <gasps> he did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh, no, she didn't. All right, y'all. So many times I get DM'd being like, Gabrielle, why the fuck am I dreaming about my ex? Why does he keep appearing in my dream? Why am I having nightmares? What does this dream mean? What like, what the hell do our dreams mean? And this episode is going to answer so many of these questions for you and give you a lot of peace around maybe if your ex is popping up in your dream a little more than you think you should be. It doesn't necessarily mean you're still missing and pining over him. There are reasons. We're going to dissect it. There is so much good stuff in this episode. Kelly Sullivan Walden is known as Dr. Dream. She has been a dream expert. She's a clinical hypnotherapist, an inspirational speaker. She has a doctorate in interfaith studies. She's been on Dr. Oz, Ricky Lake, The Real. Like she's been everywhere and she is known as like the dream guru. Um, so I'm so excited that she agreed to to come on and chat with us today. We're also going to talk a lot about, you know, traumas that she went through and how to turn those traumas into magic, which if you're here, it's because you probably read a little book of mine and you know that we love to do that because why the fuck are we going through all this bullshit if not to make it fucking magical? Am I right? All right, let's jump in with Dr. Dream. Kelly Sullivan Walden, welcome to FML Talk. I am so ready for this conversation. I cannot wait to like pick your brain of all of your expertise things on dreams. I'm so excited. <laughs> Gabrielle Stone, it's such an honor to be with you. It's a dream come true. I'm pinching myself. Oh my God, I love it. Can you just start with giving everybody a little bit of backstory about you and how you became more or less a, the dream expert? Oh my Lord. I have, I think most kids are big dreamers and it's not until we become kind of teenagers and adults that we stop valuing our inner world and start paying mm. more attention to the outer. But because I have three sisters and my sister closest to me in age, we've been, we're like, talk about past lives. I don't even know what our past lives are, but they're entwined. And she and I had the experience of tandem dreaming together. Oh, interesting. So be, being in the same dream at the same time and waking up in the morning and remembering where we were. So there was that, I think, added this extra, like a highlighter pen over pay attention to dreams. I had I had somebody to share them with and mm -hmm. and I still do. She and I are very psychically connected. And I don't know what came first, the psychic connection or the dreams, but both of them kind of led to this incredible kind of relationship that's um, sort of rocky at the moment. But but beautifully connected. We were, you know, so that was the beginning. And then I found that dreams became a way of being kind of psychic, knowing like I would have dreams about boyfriends if they were cheating on me or not, or, uh -huh. I would, or <laughs> like they'd say one thing and I'd be like, why do I have this dream? And, and also somebody, I remember one of the first big dreams I had as a young girl in my first relationship, 
he broke up with me, broke my heart, literally so decimated. And in my dream, I was trying to get back with him. Like, please, you gotta. And I worked it all. And he was making fun of me in the dream and everybody was laughing. So I woke up the next day knowing don't do that. Mm. So I was able to get that out in my dream so that I could appear <laughs> relatively calm and cool at school. And he had no idea how brokenhearted I was. I was like, right, you, <laughs> whatever. And <laughs> so there was just a lot of mostly in the relationship area, but dreams just were always this navigational tool for mm. me. I never in a million years would have imagined that I'd be known as Dr. Dream. It was not, I think some people know clearly what they want to do and who they want to be and everything. I thought this is what I want to be. It was like, no, Kelly, your ass backwards. So I right. have had to surrender to, to God, to whoever's in charge. It's like they, there's always something bigger in store for yeah. me. Whenever I knock on the door, it's like the window opens that I wouldn't have expected. And I became a certified clinical hypnotherapist because I needed my own healing. I had had my ass handed to me so many times. Um, I had been pursuing acting and I had a lot of really awesome moments in my early twenties, but I had so many me too moment, like mm. shit shows that I was, I wanted to die. So I was suicidal and didn't kill myself, but went into therapy, 12 step programs, every healing modality became a certified clinical hypnotherapist, which is basically being a therapist of the subconscious mind, which brought me back full circle to paying attention to my own dreams and then helping mm. clients understand their subconscious via their dreams. And that was so empowering to me that yeah. I had something to give people. I mean, because I had felt so worthless and dreams just came back and they just kept coming back. I was trying to write another book and my agent was like, this one isn't selling, but why don't you write a book about dreams? I'm like, are you oh my crazy? God. <laughs> no, no, nobody wants to hear about dreams. And she's like, no, you've got an interesting take on them. I'm like, yeah. Jesus, dreams. Okay, fine. And I wrote it and it took off and then yeah. it's led to, so sometimes we don't know. We yeah, I mean, you, you, it's incredible. Like you've been everywhere. You've interpreted dreams for Dr. Oz. Like you, you've been on talk shows on, on the real, like doing all these different dream interpretations. But I also love that, you know, I've done hypnotherapy, so I, I know it and I believe in it. But I also love that you have a doctorate in interfaith studies. Like you really like you've got the best of both worlds. You're in the woo-woo, but you're also like, no, this is all based in like factual evidence at the same time, which I love and appreciate. Thank you. I like to think that I'm a practical mystic, that I'm like where the airy fairy and the nitty gritty come together, like the love nitty that. fairy. <laughs> I'm a nitty fairy because I don't like the overly woo-woo stuff. And I don't like the overly like bullet point everything and everything has to make sense on paper. It's like, no, but we need to embrace the hologram, all yeah. of it, all yeah. of it. All right, let's get into it. I'm ready because uh, I get so many, <laughs> so many messages about like what, you know, I have this dream. What does it mean? Are they leading me back to this person? Blah, blah, blah. And like our subconscious oh, is a, a fucking wild place to be. So yeah. I, I want to start with what is very common for people, which is nightmares. So yes. why, why do we mostly remember nightmares as opposed to like the good happy dreams? Like we'll wake up and be like, oh, that really stuck with me. Oh, so I'm going to answer that question, but you started, you brought up something else in the question that I think bears unpacking a little bit about yeah. even, and the, and this could be one and the same about like, why are we dreaming about him mm. or her like an ex? Let's just say that. Right. I mean, we right. Can even maybe put that in the nightmare category. I'm actually <laughs> writing an article about this right now because there's, you know, I mean, to be honest, this is embarrassing to admit. And I don't admit this, only a few people know this, but my most recurring dream is about the first guy that broke my heart. Yeah. When I was really friggin' young, like way too young, most people be like, you can't love anybody that deeply when you're 11 years old. Well, I did. And mm. Romeo and Juliet was written about people that were 12 and 13. So. Right. So many people will resonate with the whole, like, I dreams about my ex. Like, I've had them. I wake up and I'm like pissed off. I'm like, get the fuck out of my brain. Yes. Actually, like, you know, it's weird because I've had those dreams about Javier throughout, you know, the yes. 
like time that we've been apart. And then I've also had dreams about Daniel who isn't under my skin. Like I literally am like, thank you for fucking the blessings and for letting me out of that relationship. But the dreams with him, when I start to analyze them, always lead me to some very gnarly shit to like look at or heal within myself. And let's be clear, they're not like, just because you're dreaming about an ex doesn't mean it's like a sexy dream. Like they can be very weird, like different kind of relationship dynamic dreams. So yes, please unpack that for us. (laughs) Exactly. I've, without meaning to, I've become sort of an expert on why am I dreaming about my ex? I am over him or her and why, why, why? And in some way, this isn't necessarily true about the first love, but we could say that the first cut is the deepest, like Mm -hmm. the song. It's And wherever we let ourselves really fall in love, there's a deep, deep place in, there's like a groove in our consciousness and our subconscious mind that relates to that person. The job of our subconscious mind and our dreams is to restore us back to wholeness. So what happens in any trauma and often relationships, they don't end usually during a honeymoon stage, except for you and Javier, (laughs) exception to the rule. Most relationships end poorly. Mm-hmm. There's very few relationships I know that end with like, ha ah, ah. it's right. usually just a shit show, a, a, a like a fuck you and a slam at the door and a here's your goddamn ring. And so we're often at the end of a relationship, we're kind of fragmented. We walk away seemingly physically still intact, but our psyche, our spirit, our emotional selves were splintered. It's almost as if we, from a shamanic perspective, they say that whenever we go through trauma, there's like a part of our innocence that is frozen in time Mm. back at the scene of the crime. And it's not until we are strong enough and capable enough that we start actually having these memories and having these dreams mm. as an attempt to recapture. And I'm covered in chills as I'm saying this, because it's it's actually sacred to be able to have a dream about an ex. It does not mean necessarily, although in some cases, maybe it doesn't mean that you want them. It doesn't mean you want to be back with them. It means that you want to be back with you and maybe the you that you were back then that was innocent so that you can and bring that back into present time, which is where you need these puzzle pieces mm. of yourself. The goal is to have a hundred percent of you back in present time so that you can be all you now. And in fact, let's even say that based on the wabi-sabi art form, I don't are you familiar with that, no. that perspective? It's a Japanese art form. It's also called kintsugi. And it basically is like if you take a beautiful work of art that's really valuable and you break it accidentally Mm. usually and you put it back together and pour gold into the cracks into the places where it was Mm. broken it now becomes exponentially valuable Mm. it doesn't ever go back to the original shape right ever Mm. but it becomes something different and better and more valuable than it was to begin with. So that's more accurate. We're attempting to bring back these pieces so that we can put them together with glue of gold in the crack so that we can become a better version of ourselves. Oh my God, what a fucking great analogy that is. That brings me and I hope people listening so much peace when you wake up from like, ew, why am I having a dream about my fucking ex? That you are going to retrieve a piece of you that broke off during that traumatic time. And you're like bringing that back to yourself. That is really beautiful and Mm. gives, I think, gives a lot of peace of mind to like, why are those dreams happening? Exactly. Instead of just, why am I such a loser that I keep dreaming about this person? He's with somebody else. I'm with somebody else. Like what's wrong with me? It's not what's wrong with you. But here's the thing. There's that saying, and I'm not a Bible thumper, but I'll say it. It's done unto you as you believe. Mm -hmm. So you and I talked about this when I interviewed you previously, Mm -hmm. that it's, whatever you think is true, you're going to be right. right. So whatever is your subconscious belief within your thought onion mm-hmm. is what will play out. So if you think I'm a loser, 
that I'm having these experiences or there's something wrong with me, then you're going to find evidence to back that right. up. Even though right. it's not empirically true, that will right. be your temporary experience. So to know I'm having these dreams because there's something right about me, because I am a magnet that is calling back to me all mm. the fragmented pieces of myself. That's a very different frame that can give yeah. a tremendous amount of self-esteem while we're in the midst of this healing experience. And people would, you know, sometimes people will say, well, what's true? What is empirically true? And according to Byron Katie, according to even, I mean, some of the greatest thinkers, the man's search for meaning, oh my God, I'm spacing on his name, but Viktor Frankl, he says that it, whatever gives us peace and freedom is what's true. Mm. So if it gives you stress and angst and feeling shitty about yourself, it's not true, whatever Mm. you're believing. So alter whatever you think is true. Like fast forward to the moment where you're like having some peace and freedom. What is it that you're thinking about yourself to get to that place? Then that's what's true. Then tether the rest of your thought forms to that. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. So what I'm in, okay, we're about to go down a rabbit hole. What would you, (laughs) you're like, I love this. Do it, do it. What what would you say to people who are like, okay, I'm going through a breakup, we're separated. And when I have these dreams, they feel so real. And I feel like it's their soul trying to communicate with me. Like I remember very vividly, I don't know if this is written about in The Ridiculous Misadventures or not, but when... I kind of took my like six month break of like, you know, Javier, don't speak to me. Like I need time to heal. I would rarely dream about him. I've rarely ever dreamt about him. But when I do, they're very symbolic and very intense. And I would wake up the next day and feel the need to text his friend and be like, is everything okay? Mm. And when eventually we did end up coming back together to like discuss things, and I remember bringing this up, He was like, you know, asking me about the times that I was having these dreams and it would correlate with something really intense he was going on that was going Mm. on in his life. Mm -hmm. So is that us seeing what we want to see and kind of putting these pieces together? Or do you think there's something to when you're trying to heal a karmic relationship and like Mm. dreams start getting very vivid and intense? Oh, great question. And thank you for, for bringing that up. I think, well, first of all, dreams, I believe, are like a diamond. They have multi facets. They're never just one thing. We could spend a lifetime inside one dream and even one dream symbol and never get to the bottom of it. So I think there's multiple realities to what a dream is trying mm. to communicate to us. If we have a deep connection with someone, that connection doesn't end when the relationship ends or when the divorce papers are signed because we are simultaneously physical beings, but also we are these multidimensional infinite beings. And love 
is the only thing that is really real. The rest of it is all kind of smoke and mirrors, temporary. So the love continues, even if we're not in love. And love manifests sometimes as being attuned to what is going on with that person. And I always think that when we dream about somebody, it's like Madonna. It's like a prayer. It's a, <laughs> it's like, it, it's in, in other words, we're saying this person is a part of my soul, like it or not. And I'm a part of their soul. And that makes us psychically connected, like it or not. And when we think about them, even if we're just witnessing and we're not doing anything to fix or change anything, just the fact that we're witnessing something that may actually be happening means that we are infusing it with love. There's some mm. kind of care happening. So even though in this plane, you are happily married with an awesome dude, having a full life that you are committed to, your psyche is infinite. So there's some part that might every once in a while pop in and be like an angel to Javier for the rest of your life. You may pop in every once in a while when he's going through a difficult time because you're an angel in his world. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you want anything from that. It just means that you're, I mean, the more spiritually evolved you are, the more places you can be at one time. Right, you know? right. So Interesting. I don't know if that answers your question. It or did. Not, but. Yeah, no, absolutely. And oh God, like there's so many layers. Do you mm -hmm. have an opinion on people in our lives who have passed away who then show up in your dreams? Do you consider that visitation? Do you like what, how do you kind of unpack those? And again, the diamond, I get that there's so Multiple. many different facets that it could be, but yes. what's your opinion on that? Oh, absolutely. My, I think my knee jerk natural responses. It's a visitation more often mm -hmm. than not. Yeah. And I think it's important with every dream to do the very basic pragmatic thing about like, what might this be about in my waking life? How might this be symbolic of something? How might this person, this is like one trick to dream interpretation. How is this person an aspect of myself? Like last night, my grandmother showed up in my dream. So I could say that was her, my grandmother mm -hmm. loving me, but also it might be the grandmother part of myself that mm. is older, wiser, that's lived through a lot of shit that's like, oh, honey, you can get through whatever you're in the middle of. Because So there's that. But then where I land, and even um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who is famous for writing the book on death and dying and who's who's known for the five stages of loss. Like she heard more dreams about death than anybody. And her final conclusion was more often than not, those are visitations. Mm. So what, have you had some of those? With oh yeah. Yeah. I've had dreams. They don't happen often. And when they do happen, they're very hard for me to remember the mm. details. I more just remember the feeling when I wake up. There was one really specific one I had a couple of years ago with my dad, where I really felt like I had like hung out with him for the night, but wow. couldn't remember specifically what we did. It was like very, a really interesting feeling. And then I had one I talked about on this show before briefly, where my high school sweetheart who passed was in the dream, but it was very weird because it was like, I was at this big party kind of carnival type place with like a bunch of people we went to high school with. And he ended up being there. And I was like, oh, my God, you're alive. You're here. And everybody was like, oh, you didn't know. Like the whole death was kind of like this joke on me. And I woke up like really upset. Like it wasn't like a fun, yay, I get to see you dream. It was like an upsetting, like, why would you have hid this from me for so long and like make me go through all of that? And like oh. everyone else knew it was very strange. Oh my God. Well, this, it feels like there's, I mean, if it were my dream, I would think that there's, I mean, I think whenever somebody shows up in a dream, like I believe that it is them coming in and it takes a lot to enter into somebody's dream. Right. I had a, a mini death experience. And just from that little bit of time on the other side, trying to communicate to the people that were here, it was like trying mm. to get through the thickest brick wall. And I'm like, mm. damn, you humans are thick as bricks. Like just, I'm right here. Ah! And they couldn't right. hear me. So I think it takes so much love to get through that wall. 
Yeah. And even if we don't interpret it correctly, even if it doesn't mm. land perfectly, the fact that they showed up, it means yeah. that there's a lot of love. And so, and maybe there's some part of us that because we are here in this third dimension and we're on the other side and mm. in the third dimension we see things so limited and so kind of dense so from the human perspective it could seem like a betrayal like you how dare you you're really alive because he right, is right. and he has been the whole time right and it could be like how do i wrap my head around that so mm. it does feel like maybe a betrayal well, level. and it's all the way that you're describing it. It's, and this is the first time I've seen it in this perspective. It's almost like he wanted to come visit. He finally got through. He just ended up in the wrong dream and the supporting <laughs> players were like doing some fucked up shit. And you're exactly. like, wait, no, guys, this is not what I was coming to do. <laughs> right, 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 right. No, no, no. That wasn't the intent at all. Exactly. Could we do a do over? It's so true. I think if yeah. he got through, I mean, if I may be so bold as to. Sure speak on his behalf, it would be like, no, I have been here all along. Please interpret right, it right, as just that way. like, let's just cut to the bottom. Let's do the thought onion on that shit. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Thing. And that makes sense. Like that the, yeah. the overall message is like, he's really been here the whole time, which of course I, I know it was just represented in a different way. So that's exactly. really, that's interesting. I exactly. love that. I think if we were absolutely enlightened, we would see everything happening in the universe as really mm -hmm. just a bunch of different radio channels. And right. if we wanted to communicate with somebody on the other side, we would just attune ourselves. I mean, and I'm sure your mother talks about mm -hmm. this and she knows like everybody is accessible everywhere all the time. It's just yeah. about where are we located? Right. And sometimes we're a little bit of, um, we're not as elusive pray as we normally are in our waking lives. We're kind of like bada bing, bada boom, hard to get through, but we're a little bit easier to reach when we're sleeping and dreaming because we're yeah. just laying there and we're open. So yeah. a lot of times the communication can come through a little bit easier in those moments. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that you had a near-death experience. Can you tell me a little bit about that and what you went through? Yeah. The first time I, I, in this book, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste, it's the first time I actually wrote about it in minutia, in detail. Actually, not complete minutia. I could write a whole book just on that experience. But the, I guess the nutshell is I was... In the process of moving, I had been to the dentist earlier that day, and I'm one of those people that needs a ton of Novocaine to numb me because I feel everything. So I had mm. probably enough to put me on the other side just in that. But And then I hadn't eaten, finally went out with some friends before we were about to leave. It was right around my 40th birthday, and it was it happened to be 8-8-2008, so I knew, oh! something's going to happen. I had no right. idea I was going to be dying. <laughs> that was my birthday present to myself. But we're at a restaurant and I was starving. And my friend Moira is this amazing vegan chef. And she said, oh, I have a cookie. And she opens up her purse and she cuts it into quarters. And I just gobble my piece. And she's like, I should have told you before you ate this, this is a special cookie. And oh. I'm like, I've never, this was before special cookies were really a thing in, right, in right. the US. I mean, in Amsterdam, it's always been a thing, but right. not here. <laughs> so I was like, what? It's a little cookie. It's delicious. It's chocolate chip. It's not going to do anything. And I was a lightweight. I mean, I didn't do this kind of thing. So about a half an hour into dinner, all of a sudden, I remember I was looking at this sparkly tapestry from across the wall in this Indian restaurant, pink and yellows and orange. And all of a sudden they were jumping off the walls oh and like a God. freight train came through my brain and I, and I couldn't hold it. I couldn't track it. And I turned over onto my husband's shoulder and my hair like went in front of my face. so People couldn't see my face. And I just, and I passed out. And while I, I didn't pass out, I mean, I, I went down a tunnel and had like kind of a dark experience because I was afraid. Yeah. And then I started chanting, God, 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 because I didn't want my fear to take me. I could see that there was an endless, mm -hmm. most people go straight to the light. I didn't. I went to a middle place and actually mm -hmm. a dark place because I was in fear. And I could see that my fear would keep, like if I chose 
I could stay in fear and right. explore an infinite amount of more and more fear, no end to mm. that well. But I said, God, 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 God. Like, and I maybe that's where God, 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 little kids do this. I don't know. <laughs> but I turned about face and went flying like a pebble out of a slingshot, flung into light and love. And like, I, it's hard to even put into words. It was just like cotton candy clouds. I didn't see any people because I think I was sort of in the waiting room. I don't know mm -hmm. that I actually crossed over, but I was out of my body. And I, if there was one word to explain how I felt strangely at first, it was relief. Mm. Even though I love being alive, I love right. I love it, but I felt free of the heaviness that by contrast to the lightness, it felt like I was dropping a thousand pounds of shackles. And really mm. it was like my worry and my ego and my, I was like, oh, thank God I'm done with all that shit. Oh right. my God. And then I just got to explore. There's like a, a phrase that I love from glory to greater glory to greater glory. So just like I had, by contrast, seen that there was no end to the darkness, mm -hmm. I got to experience that there's no end to the light. It's not like mm -hmm. heaven is a static, boring place with unicorns wafting by and little <laughs> cherubs with like flutes of champagne. It's like, no, it's like the better it gets is the better it gets and the better it gets. Right, and, right. and I didn't want it to end. I was so happy. And then I had this awareness of what was happening in the room. And I was aware, like I started, my codependence kicked in. There was this thought of, it's not fair that I'm experiencing this bliss and these mm. people, my husband and my friends are in abject terror and right. they're freaking out. And, and I then started to try to communicate to them. Like I was saying before, like, you guys, I'm fine. Like you should right. be happy for me. Come on. Are you friggin' kidding me? You're going to, dude, tune into me. I'm right here. Like, please. And then I tried to get my body to talk because they weren't getting the vibe and it made things worse because my, when I tried to make my body talk, my mouth, I was like, I'm okay. Don't oh my worry. God. So they were like, what is happening? She's <laughs> the best. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. You people are so dense. Jesus, do I have to come out of this euphoric, ecstatic place, get back in this dense ass body to communicate with you? Right. And basically, yeah. So anyway, there's more to it, but I was able to just pull myself out of this expansive, infinite place. Like it was Herculean mm. to pull myself back into this body, but right. I did it. And then I'm like... It didn't hurt that the paramedics were like Chippendales dancers, like hot, <laughs> tan, muscular. I'm like, really? Okay. Like, if I have to come back, I might as well come back to this. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Hey, I oh, like my grab God. the arm, grab the like muscled bicep. I'm like, um, check my pulse. <laughs> I'm fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm dead. That's Ooh, fucking hilarious. Knock, knock on the muscle. <laughs> Ooh, help me. <laughs> Oh my God. I love it. Um, yeah, but, wow. That's, that's wild. And I've heard lots of yeah. near death experiences that people describe like, you know, wanting to stay in that bliss and that light. And then they realize yeah. like, no, wait, I have more shit to do. And then they're back yes. in their body. Yeah. So interesting. Okay. Let's circle back to nightmares. Why yes. are nightmares the most commonly remembered dream? Mostly a lot of people ask me, why can't I remember my dreams? And I think mostly it takes a dream that is incredibly vivid, incredibly emotional for most of us to be able to receive that imprint so that we remember it. So nightmares mm -hmm. are visceral. They come in with fangs yeah. and they often wake us up. And because there's all this adrenaline, there's all this emotion, they're easier to catch. And it's kind of like life. <laughs> like it's like, if it bleeds, it leads like mm. it, just the way that we are in our waking life. We remember mostly the traumas we remember, mm. like most people in their life review, 
It's not going to be about the day that they were given roses and the day that everybody thought that they were brilliant. They remember the hard things. So it's like the, it's the way our brain is kind of wired. We remember the difficult things and it's kind of a learned skill to be able to remember the sweet things, to remember the more angelic things, to remember Mm -hmm. those things. We have to go out of our way to catch those memories in our waking life as well as in our dreams. So our nightmares are not the most common dream, but like you said, they're the most commonly remembered dream because they're denser. They're a little bit more tangible. We become so alert when we have them. And much to people's surprise, our nightmares are not just hell-bent on torturing us. Mm -hmm. If we looked at our nightmares as if they were this very desperate FedEx guy or girl that's trying to give us a message, but we keep running from them, and they're like, it's my job. I need you to sign off on this package. (laughs) The faster you run, I'm going to come after you. And we're like, no, get away. And so they're like, I'm going to keep chasing until we stop and learn how to face them I, my fear formula, this is how to transmute a negative dream or how to work with one to Mm -hmm. to alchemize it is I use the fear acronym, F-E-A-R, face it, embrace it, Mm. ace it and replace it. So this is how we can work with a nightmare in our waking state so that it doesn't have to keep repeating. It's a way of being able to get signed for the package, receive the message Mm. and say, now you can move on and move on to somebody else or like stop chasing Yeah. So they're they're important is what you're saying. They're like your subconscious needing to get you a really important message. So instead of waking up and being like, oh my God, I want to forget about that. And like, let me distract myself and get somewhere else. We need to pay attention to them to see what we need to work through. I mean, it's just like what you do with your thought onion. Yeah, on the the subconscious layer of it. Yeah, the the surface layer is this sucks. I hate this. Get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. Oh my god, I want this over. And then you go a layer deeper, and you're like, oh wait, all right, this isn't. So maybe, maybe this is. And then at the bottom, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I needed the subconscious layer is. I needed this. This is medicine. And interestingly, if you were bit by a snake. In order to heal that, it would be anti-venom. It's the very same properties of the venom that is the poison. You rearrange it a little bit Mm -hmm. and it becomes the thing that heals you. Mm -hmm. So when we go through something difficult, if we do like what your perfect poster child for a crisis is a terrible thing to waste because you did a face it, embrace it, ace it and replace it. You did go through the journey and you turned your snake bite venom into anti-venom that Mm. became medicine, not just for you, but then it becomes this elixir for everyone who's got a broken heart. So there's purpose, there's dignity in the journey. Oh, I love that analogy. And thank you for using me as an example. That was really beautiful to hear from oh someone God. else. So thank you. Let's this is talk why about Misha. My Misha, my stepdaughter, I have to shout her out again. She's <laughs> because she, I was so scared for her to read my book because I'm like, oh my God, she's going to hate me. But she was like, oh my God, you have to have, you have to talk to Gabrielle. It's like, you have this thing in common where you wow. go for, like go after the hard and scary and rough things. And then you turn it into something beautiful. So wow. I love that. Thank you, Misha. Thank you, Misha. Let's talk about your new book, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste. It's different than all the dream books you've written. So tell me a little bit about what this book is about. Well, I want to say thank you to you and and to the other courageous women like you who have been candid and honest and frank about your experience. I feel like there's something in the the zeitgeist and the vibe that has helped become medicine for my soul to help me be more honest. Mm. Because truly, like up until this book, well, okay, let me go back. When I was younger in like junior high and even in high school, I developed early and I don't know what it was, maybe because I watched back then it was the solid gold dancers that I wanted to be like. Everyone assumed I was a slut. Everyone called me a slut. They called me a whore, even though I, before I'd ever even kissed a boy. Mm. So there was some part of me that was like, I will prove them wrong. I will show them 
So it's been like this thing that I've carried all the way up until just a few years ago where I have to prove that I'm a respectable person, that I'm not what people think I am because mm-hmm. I'm blonde and I've got big boobs and, you know, that, and I'm, a, and people assume all this stuff. So I've made it like this armor of mine, like I'm a credible person. I've got a doctorate degree. I've written a million books. I am somebody to take fucking seriously, motherfucker. So I'm going to just write books about all my wisdom because I've experienced, because I've gone through a lot of shit on the, on the other side of it. I've come to some wisdom and I have filled up all my books about the wisdom, but never the the backstory. Mm -hmm about like how I got to that wisdom. Right. And so it wasn't until I started to write this book and actually the book that preceded this one, that's a little bit darker and deeper that hasn't come out yet. Hopefully it will. And I think you'll be one of the first people I send it to because it's, a, it's even scarier than it was putting this one out. But this book is filled with my true mud shitty, like kind of most of the, like the shittiest things that ever happened to me, like getting robbed and getting broken up with, getting stalked, falling out of the sky, like from a, being in a hot air balloon that crashed into a wild animal sanctuary, being attacked by dogs. I mean, this is a story. Like, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's like, there's a lot of shit that's happened to me. So I take something really like each chapter of the book is a really shitty thing that happened to me mm-hmm. and then how I worked with it and how the alchemy came in. And there's even people, I mean, it's considered it on Amazon. One of the taglines is humor. Like people are like, this is a humorous book. I'm like, it is. Oh my God, You're it like, is. It's uh, actually fucking funny. Right. Cause it's so but ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Exactly. But there's alchemy in it and there's mm-hmm. wisdom right at the end so it's really fucking scary to write this way to be for the first time in all my in my lifetime to be this honest and this mm-hmm. naked right and yet it feels like how boring to be any other way right yes yes yeah. how boring to be any other way amen to that you talk in the book about how we can transform the tragic experiences in our life into magic. And I mean, I feel like that's my love language. So tell me (laughs) kind of like what your method is on that. So you use the thought onion. I mean, you use a lot of other things too. Believe me, I know you do, (laughs) but I have a, like you, a bazillion tools under my belt. But as I was writing this book and as I was thinking about what really did get me over from like the mud to the mountaintop, Mm-hmm. I started to see that there were four things that happened in every instance. Mm. And I was able to, even if at the time, this isn't what I called it, it's what I did. And I put it all together and I call it my ogle formula, which is a very strange word to use, especially for somebody that was ogled a lot when I was younger. Mm. I was um, for a year in my early twenties, I was a stripper and it was through like a whole bunch of crazy shit that happened. But I know what it's like to be ogled, to be looked at, to be like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and now just like I teach in my kind of a nightmare formula for how to overcome a nightmare, it's to know you become the hunter. Instead of being Mm. the hunted, instead of being stalked, you become the stalker. Like you Mm. turn the tables on whatever's scary, you go after it and Mm. then it stops being scary. So I've become the ogler (laughs) and and I teach people how to ogle in a transformational way, not in a lecherous kind of like creepy way, but O-G-L-E stands for what to do when the shit hits the fan. So Mm. should I break it down? Yes, please. So, oh, I think is this is it definitely matches your thought onion. And so there's a lot of relate. So I love your, it. your thought onion, the, it's like the superficial thought. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's the, oh, it's what's offensive. Like mm-hmm. he hurt my feelings. He fucking hurt me. He left me. He told me that we could like, I was going to Europe and now we're not going to Europe together. What the fuck? So there has to be permission to be Mm. totally human and totally reactive and totally victim-y and totally blamey and like you have to go there first. Yep. You can't jump straight to enlightenment. Otherwise, there's a bigger price to pay. Yeah, it's inauthentic. 
Exactly. But you can't stay there either. So there's, it's like time to be in the superficial thought, or for me, it's the O for what's offensive. Be totally real about that. But then we move to the G. You move to the authentic thought, which is similar to this. So for me, I move people to the G, which is what's good about this thing. Mm. So what's good, for example, in your story is like, um, I have this fucking ticket to Europe. And maybe what's yeah. good is I'm going to go on a solo trip. I'm going to go on my own. I'm going to maybe, and we don't necessarily know what's good about it, but we can have this. Maybe what could be good is that I'm going to learn something about myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to meet people. I'm going to, something good might happen. So we, yeah. we sometimes have to hypothesize what might be good mm-hmm. and can also say, well, what's all, what's always good is that we're still breathing we're still alive. So we have to just start making a little inventory of what's good, even though this shit hit the fan. In my death experience, what's good is that I actually didn't die, but I got to go to the other side and back. That's fucking amazing because I think about it every day. It's made, I'm who I am today because that happened. I wouldn't trade that for anything from, I mean, all the shitty things I wouldn't take in. I wouldn't want to re-experience them. Yeah. Because they were all painful, but I'm so glad they happened. (laughs) So then we move to the L. So you go to the subconscious thought. I go to Mm -hmm. the L. So the O is for the what's offensive. The G is for what's good about it. The L is for the looking glass. And this is very much like Mm -hmm. the subconscious thought, because this is where am I that? Where Mm -hmm. am I the one? Like, how am I looking in the mirror? Yeah. How is this reflecting something within me? I love that. Because so many relationships and scenarios in our life do, if not all. Exactly. Like I was telling you in when I was on your show, when you were on my show about the guy that broke my heart and the guy who, um, well, one of the guys that broke my heart, but how he was always like pinching my waist and like mad at me if I ate French fries. Yeah. I had to look at how do I do that? Oh my God, I totally do that. I do that more than he does. I'm Mm -hmm. the one who is, nobody is more critical of me than I am. Yeah. So how am I, whoever said the bad thing or whoever said the hurtful thing or did the hurtful thing, how do I also do that? Even if it's to a, my, like a microscopic degree. Yeah. So like, yeah, there's a million stories that even if I'm not like Saddam Hussein awful, there's a mini Saddam Hussein in me, even if I'm not, it's like, there's a little speck of every human that's mm-hmm. ever been in me. So right. there's not a single person I can't say they're they're like me. So that's the L. And then the E is for what's the elevated next step. Mm. So in many ways, kind of like your thought onion, it leaves you with like a more empowered point of view that ultimately leads to action. So my right. E is like, now that I know all this shit, I've given myself right. permission to vent out what's offensive and I've noticed what's good or what could be good about this. Mm-hmm. And now I've seen what's in the looking glass. I've seen myself so I can no longer blame or shame Now I'm in a position to do something, take some form of action in my life that could be an elevated step, an elevated action, or even just an elevated thought. Somebody just sent me a message saying, I did a 20 page ogle in my journal. Ah. Like, yeah, sometimes it takes a while. Like you give yourself as many pages as you need to get out the O. Usually that's what takes the most, but then you start to get into it. And then by the end of it, you're in a different place. It doesn't have to take, there was some statistic I read that it takes, it was in psychology today. It was, it takes three to nine years to recover from a debilitating loss. That's a long fucking time. Yeah. I don't accept that. (laughs) I don't accept that. (laughs) But what that means is if we just, like everyone says time will heal. Mm -hmm. And if we just let time alone, Right. then it will take that long. Right, right. But let's, if we let's do take something, if we yeah. go on the trip on our own, we do some introspective journaling, we do go to therapy, we do we some ogle. work on ourselves, then we get <laughs> our ogle, we can ogle that shit in real time. And that's the goal, yeah. is yes. to have the shit happen and then here's the miracle. Shit yeah. happens, here's the miracle. Even if I don't know what the miracle is, I know I'm going to find one and it's yep. done unto us as we believe. So That's right. Ooh! Girl, preach. I love it. Um, this is like my my kind of shit. So where, if people want to grab the book, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste, where can they find it? Where can they pick it up? 
they can get it anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, their local bookstore, which is great. And yeah, if they want to, there's they can contact me if they want me to sign a copy of it. I'll sign it and send it back to them. They can send me an email, kelly at kellysullivanwalden.com. Amazing. And where can they find you on social media? So first of all, if people want, I have a free Ogle worksheet. Oh, love that. And I have a free, what I call jet set worksheet, which is my dream interpretation formula in a nutshell. And you can get that for free on kellysullivanwalden.com. And then on Instagram, I'm Kelly S. Walden. And then that's the same for Twitter and TikTok. And on Facebook, I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden Dreams. Amazing. Oh my God, Kelly, this has been so amazing. I feel like it's going to give people so much peace about their dreams and their trauma and some good action steps on how to move through all of that. So thank you for being here and thank you for uh, sharing all of your doctor dream knowledge with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being such a dreamy friend in my world. I feel like I've just known you so much because of your amazing books. I love them so Mm. much. Eat, Pray, FML, and the ridiculous misadventures (laughs) of a single girl. And I can't wait to see all that happens next with your, with the bringing it to the silver screen or to the Netflix of it all or whatever it is you do and your pregnancy and your, like all the amazing things happening to you. you. You are truly a trailblazer and I love you and appreciate you. Oh my God, you're so sweet. I so appreciate it. And thank you for being here. You, I I feel the same about you. It is very, very mutual, my friend. So thank you. Oh, I want to thank Kelly so much for coming on and sharing all of that goodness with us. I don't know about you guys. I felt a lot of peace um, hearing the validation of our loved ones who have passed coming to visit us in our dreams. I felt a lot of uh, release and peace around, you know, when your exes pop up, that those are there to teach you certain lessons um, and that you're going back to literally get pieces of yourself that you lost during those relationships and those times in your life. What a beautiful fucking way to look at it. So now you can wake up from those ex dreams that feel shitty and be like, ha, actually, I was just going to retrieve a piece of myself, motherfucker. Thank you for coming. Moving forward. I absolutely love it. Um, Also, if you guys have not heard the episode that I did on Kelly's show, it was a really beautiful conversation. We talked about a lot of different stuff, a lot of different deep healing. uh, And you can search anywhere you get your podcast, The Kelly Sullivan Walden Show um, with my name and it'll come up. It it came out a while back, but it was a really great episode. If you want some more uh, good stuff to go check out today. Thank you for being here. I love you guys so fucking much. All right, FMLers, if you don't want to miss an episode, make sure to follow on your favorite podcast app. And if you're loving the show, drop us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can keep up with me on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone or the podcast page at FML Talk Podcast. For all the merch and books signed personally by me, you can shop the FML line on eatprayfml.com. And as always, have a fucking self-love cocktail on me. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman fertility hormones, and beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.